So I'm going to talk to you today about returning to uh, the rest of God and uh, just kind of uh, forewarning, just because I'm talking about the rest of God does not give you permission to go to sleep on me this morning. So <laughs> say to me, I'm awake and alert. <laughs> say, do Christians actually do that? Yeah, and I really don't you know, mind, at least they're here. <laughs> uh, when I was uh, what Dr. Barth would call a baby preacher, I was a part-time youth pastor with Kelly at a little uh, church in Sparta, Missouri. That's between Springfield, Missouri and Branson. And uh, the pastor said, well, I want you to, to speak uh, this particular service. And he goes, I'll forewarn you, one of our deacons who sits in the second row, there were up barbs. I said, every time I start to speak, about five minutes into the message, he goes to sleep and starts snoring. Well, I always sat over here, so I had no idea. I couldn't see him what he was doing. But sure enough, he told me, now don't take it personal. That's just the way he, well, what he does. And so I got to preach, and yes, five, ten minutes into my message, he was asleep and snoring. Well, I wasn't going to have any of that. <laughs> so one of my scriptures that day was, Awake thou sleeper! <laughs> and Christ will give thee life. <laughs> and uh, he... Uh, and he jumped. He almost fell out of his chair. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, you know. So I don't think I got to speak after that. Come think about it. <laughs> but at any rate, the rest of God. You know, right now, Christian or not Christian, in the past couple of years, a lot of people have become very, very restless. Uh, rest has been compromised by all the circumstances and situations that are out there. And then sometimes people, when they recognize that, they'll turn to everything but the Lord for their rest. They're pursuing other things to find that rest in the midst of those challenges. The Holy Ghost is telling us today we need to return to the rest of God. You know, when you go into a cemetery, especially years past, decades past, you would see things on tombstones like R.I.P., you know, or rest in peace. More often than not, just R.I.P. It took me forever to find out what that meant. Amen. But, you know, you don't have to die and be in the ground to have rest in this life. In other words, rest in peace is not just when you go to be with the Lord. You should have rest now because the Lord's not waiting on you over there. He's already in your life. Amen. He is with us. So we should have the rest of God. Rest, of course, is an instance or a period of relaxing or ceasing to engage in strenuous or stressful activity. That's the common understanding. But I want you to see it also as a state of lack of anxiety, striving, or toiling. Look at somebody and say, no anxiety, no striving. No toiling. You know, some people can be sitting literally on a, on a, you know, on a recliner or on a couch doing nothing and be completely and totally out of rest because they're filled with worry and anxiety. They toil even though physically they're not toiling. So it's not just what you do physically. It's a sense of deep inner rest that affects every part of our lives. Spiritually, that makes us mentally, emotionally, and physically, you know, at rest as well. Something happens and has a domino effect in our life, and it starts with the condition of your life spiritually. Rest means the inwardly quiet, composed, and peaceful person. It's a person of great repose. It's a state that's free from motion or disturbance. But I can tell you this, you and I are wise enough to know when we have it and when we don't have it. And a lot of Christians are running around this planet right now, and they're not in a place of rest. Look at somebody and tell them, be at peace. Tell them, be at rest. This is what often happens when people find themselves out of rest. Psalm 55 verse 4. It says, my heart is in anguish within me. 
The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I'd fly away and be at rest. Now, honestly, if you ever just wanted to fly away, raise your hand and admit it. Amen. Just <laughs> fly away. Come fly with me. <laughs> yeah. He goes on to say this. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. And you know that people that just base their, their lack of rest on their circumstances, when they do get alone, they're just as tormented by themselves because they're looking for the rest in the wrong place. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day He rested from all of His work. Say He rested. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I want to return to that in just a moment, but I want you to think about people like you, also people in the Bible who got to the place where their rest was compromised. Now, when you're not in a place of rest, you're not the best version of yourself. And Snickers won't fix it. Can I have an Amen. You are not going to find your rest in a Snickers bar. So just, amen. But I think about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is after his confrontation and his success with the prophets of Baal. And he's running from Jezebel after a threat. And the Bible says about uh, uh, Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done and that he had killed the prophets. She sent a message to Elijah. You killed my prophets. Now I'm going to kill you. I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I don't do it by this time tomorrow. Elijah was afraid. Now he's taken on all these prophets of Baal and suddenly he's afraid of one woman. Now there's a sermon there, but I'm not going to preach that sermon today. <laughs> but he's running. Now he's afraid. And he ran to the town of Beersheba in, in Judah. He left his servant there, then walked another whole day into the desert. And finally he came to a large bush and sat down in its shade. He begged the Lord, I've had enough. Just let me die. I'm no better off than my ancestors. Then he lay down in the shade and fell asleep. And you know what? This great prophet of God, what he's done, first of all, he has lost his sense of rest in everything that comes with it. And he certainly wouldn't have been the first prophet to pray that way. And I promise you this, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that are saying the same thing in their hearts. I may not vocalize it, but I just want to die. It's been better if I've never been born. I just want to fly away. That is not your solution. Yes, you could have rest on the other side with the Lord one day, but you can have that rest today. That's why this message is so important. When you discover how to get rest in this world, in this life, and keep it, you won't be saying things like, it would be better if I was never born, or I just want to die no better than my father's, or I just want to get out of here. Look, you got to remember one thing. You only have so much time on this planet to make a difference for God's redemptive plan. When you're gone, your ability to get people to heaven, that's over. When you're gone, you have no more ability to affect what goes on on this earth. A lot of people will say that you can pray to the saints and the saints can do something up there in heaven. No, God is God. The saints are not God. And if you're going to do something for God, it's going to be on this planet. And it is the devil himself trying to get God's people out of a place of rest. So they'll give up, throw in the towel, and then walk away from God's purpose and plan for their life. You're not a quitter. Come on, say, I am not a quitter. I'm going to live out my days. Come on, say it like this. I shall live and not die and proclaim the goodness of God. You're not done yet. So you need to learn how to walk in rest in this life 
so that you don't have that kind of a monkey on your back in terms of the temptation, in terms of the discouragement. And I'm just going to tell you today that there is nothing that you could possibly go through that God cannot counter if you'll go back into his rest. I'm telling you today that rest is the remedy for exhaustion. Like Elijah, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually spent, we can't say anything, but you know what? I understand exactly where he's coming from. Most of you have been there or will be there at one time in your life. But rest is a remedy for that exhaustion. The devil doesn't want you to know, but rest is a remedy for depression. The amount of people depressed in this nation, even in the church, far outweighs the clinical reason for it. By far the majority of them is simply this. They have forgotten that they need to understand to, to rest in God in this life as they serve Him. You all are not the Energizer Bunny. Eventually what's going to happen is that battery is going to wear down. That rest is the remedy for any accusation that's come at your way or any persecution. That rest sets you up to discern the deception of the enemy. You want to know prime time to be deceived in your life is when you are run down. You become susceptible to every whim of the enemy, every suggestion of fleshly people. And the next thing you know, you've made a bad situation even worse. Rest is the remedy for confusion in people's lives. Our God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And peace and rest go hand in hand. The rest of God is the remedy for apprehension in your life or intimidation. Somebody trying to stoke fear in your life or worry in your life. It is the remedy for things like indecision. All these things and more the prophet of God is experiencing in that scenario after the confrontation with the prophets to the point where he's now running and operating in fear. The rest of God is the remedy. And thank God he got the rest. Amen. Thank God he got the angel food. Amen. Thank God he got some more arch marching orders. He was able to to anoint the king, anoint the prophet of God and complete his task. You think you don't matter? I'm telling you, everything coming against your mind, against your emotions, against your family, against your pocketbook, against everything that God has planned for you. God is, has got a great plan for your life. He wants to use you. But everything you're going through is to take you out and marginalize and minimize your life. I don't matter. You matter. I promise you that you matter to people you don't even realize you matter to. And the real issue is you've stepped out of this place of rest in him. Amen. And you and I are our worst versions of ourselves right. when we're not walking in the rest of God. Amen. 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 Say it with all your heart. There's a remedy for everything that we go through. And it is the rest of God. There's a reason Jesus would separate himself and go quietly to a place and seek his father. I'm telling you this. If Jesus needed that, yes. look at somebody say, if Jesus needed that, you need it double. Yeah. Going back to Genesis for a moment. Listen to this. Then God blessed the seventh day. He put his blessing on the concept of Sabbath. To understand what we're talking about today, you're going to have to understand what a Sabbath is for the New Testament believer. 
But I want you to understand that there's a reason rest is so supernaturally beneficial. It's because it's blessed. Rest by God most high is empowered God's people to prosper, to succeed, to bear much fruit, to have longevity, to function at your best version. It's blessed. Well, thank you, Pastor. I'll just take my nap right now. Amen. You said I'd be blessed. So I'll hold off on that. Because some of y'all are just as filled with torment, you know, torment and turmoil when you're awake, when you're sleeping, right. is when you're awake. Yeah. Come on, say it with me. God, God. Blessed, blessed the Sabbath. Sabbath. And he made it what? Holy. Holy. Now, in the New Testament church, you have some people that are day worshipers, and Paul made it plain. If you esteem one day greater than others, then, then so be it. But don't run your mouth and put other people down when they don't see it the same way that you see it. The scripture tells us this, that yes, he blessed that Sabbath. He blessed that day of rest. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy is fulfilled in whom? It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it's characterized not by a certain day. Watch this. It's, it's characterized not by a certain day for you. It's characterized by a daily walk with God. Amen. 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 I just... You know, honor the Sabbath and the rest of the week is mine. No, it's not. For you are dead and your life is hid in Christ now. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ that lives in you. Our rest is abiding in Christ by faith. In Mark 2, 27, Jesus declared the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Come on, shout this out. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was, made was made for man. For man. man was not made for the Sabbath. And that's the thing the Pharisees had all twisted up. To the point is, Jesus was condemned by them when he healed on the Sabbath. Can I tell you something? That's a great day for the power of God to hit you. And they said with a snide voice, you know, and an attitude, well, there are seven days, six other days to be healed. Let them come and be healed on those days. I'm thinking, yeah, like you all got people healed the other six days. Who are you kidding? Say it with me, the Sabbath was made for man. It's blessed and it blesses us. It was not supposed to be bowed down and worshipped. <laughs> he said, therefore, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It was made for you that you would be blessed and empowered and strengthened by the rest of God. Amen. You've got to make up your mind that you are not going to let something else fill that vacancy in your life, even as a believer. But you're going to go back to and maintain and return to that rest of God. That dedicated time to seek him carries with it a blessing of God and is considered a holy thing. Now, I preached a series that lasted half a year called The One Thing. It's based on Luke 10. Your Bible is forever creased, right there at Luke 10. And the Bible tells us that Mary sat attentively at the feet of Jesus, listened to everything that came out of his mouth. And Martha was running around making all kinds of preparations. Mary was at the seat of Jesus, but Martha was preparing the Thanksgiving meal. And Martha was wrapping the presents. And Martha was doing the shopping. Listen, you can lose your salvation at Opry Mills. Are right? you hear what I'm saying to you? Lose it. 
You want to make sure, especially in this season, that you don't make it even worse. It's recalibrate now. Are you here today? In other words, before you do all this stuff, make sure that you are preserving and maintaining the rest of God in your life. Let me put you this way. Whatever preparations you're doing for the holidays, none of them are blessed like the Sabbath is blessed. They're not anointed to produce good things in your life. Does that make sense? They're fine, but they don't have the supernatural ability that the rest of God does. The psalmist said in Psalm 116, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Let's say it with all of our heart. Return to God's rest. Well, that implies you think I'm not resting. I don't have to be a rocket scientist or a prophet. To know a lot of Christians are not walking in the rest of God. Ezekiel 34, 15, I will feed my flock and I will lead them to what? Rest. If we are following the good shepherd, is he leading us into turmoil? No. You can have everything around you blowing up, but have the rest of God on the inside. The perfect peace of God. Amen. That's what he wants for you and for me. But you have to understand that none of these things that you might be pursuing right now are going to give you the rest that you need. There are people that believe the bottle will give them rest. Until they get over the hangover, they realize, guess what? There's no rest in that. There are people that believe it's in a bottle of pills. Or it's in, you know, smoking dope. Or it's in some kind of drug, some kind of habit, some kind of activity. Some people believe, you know, it's in, in sexuality. That they're going to find some kind of rest in that. Most people that are, you know, 100 miles an hour with a hair on fire into the world, doing things like the world, it's not about clotheslining people. This is what you don't do if you're a Christian. Don't do this, don't do this. You don't know what you're giving up because you are doing that. And you also don't know that you're not going to have any long-term success with that stuff. You just want to cycle in and out again and never find the true rest of God until you make up your mind nothing else is going to satisfy you. Come on, say it. Return to the rest of God. Return to what? To the rest of God. Amen. Kelly and I were out of town last week and we like to go to mountains and during her birthday. We've been doing it since her, her mom went home to be with the Lord and uh, she wanted to go to Dollywood, so we did. It was nice, balmy, 32 degrees out there, I think. And the nice thing about going to Dollywood in December, in like, you know, November, December, is there's no lines on the rides. So we get up on this, uh, we get up on this line. There's like four people on the entire ride. And it's one of those where your feet are dangling down like this. There's like two people over here and two people over there. And it's kind of cool because Dolly's into preserving eagles and, you know, rehabbing eagles. So in front of each one of these cars is, is a, you know, have an eagle. And this thing like loops three times. It's like a metal, metal roller coaster. And Kelly was talking to a, uh, a deputy sheriff from Sevier County and the lady was giving her all the rundown on the best rides. <laughs> he said, you just got to ride this ride. I said, okay, we'll get on it. And then when we walk up there, the guy says, how tall are you? I said, 6'5". He goes, go over there by the post. Got to make sure you're not too tall. <laughs> I've heard of not being tall enough. <laughs> so you know what I did? I did this. <laughs> I, was, I was barely in by an inch. So they strap you in like you're never going to get out. And uh, this thing takes off and it goes way, way up. And uh, 
And I'm just thinking, this thing is, this is pretty cool. It's kind of like flying. There's an eagle in the front, and I'm watching this stuff and going loop and loops, you know, you know, pull some G-forces, you know, and having a great time. And I notice uh, she's not saying anything. She's not doing anything. And when we get down with the ride, I look over at her, and she's like this. And uh, she goes, is it over? <laughs> and I thought to myself, the rest of God right there. Amen. That's, <laughs> that's the way to get rest. Glory to God. So, and for some reason, she didn't want to do it again. <laughs> and she's, look, she's looking at me like, don't tell any more stories about me. Amen. <laughs> look at somebody and tell them nothing. Nothing will satisfy your deep need for rest. Except for, God. Except for God. Say it with me. It's the rest of God. Rest of God. Say it with me. It's blessed of God. Blessed Say it like this. The rest of God, rest of God. is blessed of God. Blessed Come on, shout it out. The rest of God, rest of God. is blessed of God. blessed of God. Not on some certain day, but every day. In other words, you and I are supposed to show up in his presence every day. Amen. What's going to happen if you do? There's some great benefits to you tapping into the blessing that's on rest. Yes, there are things that are, that are blessed, and we've learned a lot about the blessing, but I want you to understand that your time with God is blessed and will empower you. Yes. Don't see it as a duty. Don't see it as a distraction. See it as an opportunity for God to make further deposits in your life. When everyone else is freaking out right now and getting 100 miles an hour, a thousand things going on, and inflation is running, and interest rates are rising, and trying to make ends meet, you are at perfect rest. Amen. Amen. One of the things that we see in Elijah's life that's going to happen is restoration is going to happen when you are fully taking advantage and returning to the rest of God. Restored what? First of all, spiritually. Amen. But you can be restored mentally and emotionally. Amen. And physically in his presence. We need to be restored. Not once. Not once in a blue moon. But you can have this literally every single day of your life. How many know somebody that needs some emotional restoration? <laughs> amen. If you're married, don't amen too loudly. <laughs> we need something that can actually, you know, preserve and protect and heal and restore. And that is his presence. That is the rest of God. Number two is direction. You're not going to find it by running around with a, you know, your head cut off. You're going to have to sit. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to let him give you those priceless pearls of wisdom and direction in your life. When you are, uh, you know, in the rest of God, because it is blessed, he is always going to be giving you direction in your life. It could be direction for that day. It could be direction for a major decision. But I, I say this, and I've seen this as a pastor for a long, long time that people will make life-changing decisions and they've not been in the rest of God for months, sometimes years. They don't have a very good chance of finding God's mind in that kind of a situation. You can't blow off the rest of God and say, yes, God's leading me to do this. So the first question I'll ask somebody, I'll say, you know what? Are you right now closer to the Lord than you've ever been in your life? Is your rest at an apex situation? then you're capable of making a life-changing decision. If you don't, then you're just like everybody else in the world. You end up self-directing your life. Elijah was God's servant. And at some point in the interchange, God says, you know, what are you doing here? You and I have done the same thing. 
done things, gone places, been involved in things God never directed. Why? Because outside the rest of God, we made a lousy decision. Now, thank God there is a way to get back into the center of God's will. But I'm telling you, the rest of God will cause restoration in your life, but it will also give you the direction that you need. Amen. Number three, it'll give you inspiration. How many thank God for dreams and visions and opportunities? I'm telling you that uh, despite everything you see going on in this world, the Lord is about to unfold a season of great dream and vision giving to his people. Why do you need that? Because that's the basis of the life that is fulfilled. That is the basis of doing something of substance in your life for the Lord. When he begins to give it. And he's not going to do it through some prophet somewhere. Let me explain something to you about, about prophecy. A New Testament prophet is not an Old Testament prophet. A New Testament prophet has the same responsibility as the pastor, as the evangelist, as the apostle, as the teacher. To equip the church for the works of service for the ministry. That we all come to what? A unity of the faith. We are all called to do that as fivefold ministry gives. So no prophet in the New Testament can ever direct your life. They can only confirm a word that God gave you and avoid somebody who purports to be one along that line as if their word is, is of God. Though they can be the confirming voice, but they can't be the initiating voice. Does that make sense? Now that applies also to pastors and teachers. It applies to apostles. It applies to evangelists. But in that vein, sometimes we forget that the prophetic in the New Testament is supposed to be about equipping people. Not putting people down, not judging people, not controlling people, not directing people, but loving, serving, and helping people. That's what a New Testament prophet does. Amen. And yes, they exist. And you should never have a problem with somebody who's actually called that, you know, being recognized as that, any more than you should have a problem with somebody that has called a pastor. In other words, if we're going to throw out the prophet in the New Testament, even though Jesus is the one that gave the gifts, even though Paul never said these gifts have ceased. If we're going to throw out the apostle and prophet, then why not throw out the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher as well? The pastor, teacher, and evangelist are socially acceptable in the modern church. And the basis of that is an anti-supernatural bias. They don't want the supernatural in the church. Can I tell you something? We need the supernatural in the church more than we ever have had. And we need it now in Jesus' name, not less of this. We're always going to need the pastor, teacher, but we need to see what the word confirmed with signs following. If Jesus thought we needed all five, we need all five. Not less today, but more today. The world is not less crazy. Are you here today? No, it's not improving. Well, I just thought, you know, bless God, if we just had the right person in office and whoever's crowing the Congress, you know, and the right Supreme Court, we would have peace and tranquility and everything would be great. You know what the Holy Ghost is saying? Yeah. You're seeking to install people when you should be seeking for the return of the Lord. That's where your heart should be. King of kings and Lord of lords, and you can't vote him in and you can't vote him out. And he doesn't use Twitter. He uses rest. Amen. He restores, he gives direction, he gives inspiration. New dreams and visions are coming. Come on, shout out. New dreams and visions are coming to the body of Christ. 
Watch and see in 2023. It will be a great year of vision casting, of dream giving. And God's going to use that dream to guide you and direct you, help you make decisions, to empower you. Your best days are ahead of you. Some of you are thinking, what's the point of going in 2023 when my life right now kind of stinks? I'm telling you, you're going to be so glad you didn't give up when God deposits something in your life. It's not going to come from Pastor Art in the pulpit. It's going to come from God through the Spirit of God in your time of rest. Value what He has for you and demonstrate that value by maintaining the rest of God in your life. Amen. And fourth, and everybody loves this part of the blessing on rest. Say it with me. The blessing is blessed. Say it. Rest is blessed. Say it. I am blessed. If I had saved person going to a place of rest, what's going to happen? More of his blessings is going to manifest. Amen. But sometimes we don't like this fourth one. I don't know what Elijah said about it. I don't really, the record doesn't really say. But he gives correction in rest. Yes, Everybody say, oh, goody, 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 goody. Yes, he, he gives what? Correction. He gives what? Correction. Well, Pastor, you're implying that if I get into the rest of God, there might be something wrong with my life. Snore. This, this new uh, paradigm church model that says that uh, just convince everybody every week that they're fine, that God loves them, grace is sufficient, they don't have to change, all that stuff, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's not, in the, it's not in the gospel. It's not in the record of God. It is, it is not consistent with the word of God. It is not consistent with the nature of God. And correction is actually good. Is it, is it good for, for Elijah you know, to, to get back on his feet and go do what he was called to do? Was it good for him to take that correction? Yes. yes. Was it good for, for Jonah to finally take that correction and go to Nineveh and preach? Where 120,000 people were saved one day. Do you know that that probably you know, eclipses anything in the history of the church and the Old Testament in terms of mass salvations until ministries like Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke? And Jonah didn't want to do it. Amen. Correction is good. So let me see if I follow you, Pastor. Okay. You're telling me that if I get into the rest of God, it's, it's blessed of God. Say, it is blessed. Shout it out. Rest of God is blessed. Every time there's going to be manifestation of the blessing as you rest in Him. But you're telling me that I also get correction in rest? Well, that's why some folks don't want to get into his presence. You know, because uh, he'll tell you how it is. He's not going to pat you on the head and say you're doing everything perfectly. No, he's going to share with you what you need to work on in that particular moment. It's called a thing called conviction. Can I have an amen? amen. But it's good. This is where you make adjustments towards the word, towards the will of God, towards your purpose instead of doing your own thing and self-directing your life. Shout it out. Correction, Correction. is good. Amen. Come on, say again. Correction, Correction. is good. Amen. I may not feel good for the moment, but you should rejoice. Raise your hand if, if in a time of prayer, quietness before the Lord, God has corrected you about something. Raise your hand. Huh? Congratulations. According to the Bible, that makes you one of his kids. Don't be concerned when you're corrected. Be concerned when you're never corrected. And for the record, he doesn't correct you by beating you in the head to prove he can put you back together again. He corrects with his word. His powerful 
word. Well, the question is, uh, not today is rest blessed, it is. Aren't you glad for that? But how does a person in return maintain the rest of God in their life? Just write these down and meditate on these as you go through your week. Make up your mind you're going back into a place of rest. First of all, emphatically, rest comes from God. It doesn't come in any other form. Um, You may see a temporary reprieve, but if you're going to have the real rest that we're talking about, it's going to come in God. Psalm 62, verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. Not God in these 15 things, but God, what? Alone. My salvation comes from him. Verse 5, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. The Amplified says hope and expectation come from him. We've got to stop looking for rest to come through other means. It's only going to come through God. Exodus 33, 14 says, and he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Shout it out to me. Rest, rest. comes rest. from God. Nowhere else. Find rest in God. And then 15 other things? No, in Him alone. Number two, rest comes in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... Give you what? Rest. rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, that ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden... Is light. The message says it this way Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Sounds good, doesn't it? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't put anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does that sound better than what a lot of people have been doing? Get back into the rest of God. I notice what it says. He says, come unto me, not anyone else. You're not going to find rest in any other relationship. Aren't you glad that you have found the Lord and he found you and revealed himself to you? Aren't you glad you're saved? Raise your hand if you're glad you're saved. You found the key to rest. But just because you got saved one day is no guarantee you're going to have rest tomorrow. You come and you keep coming to him. And the Bible talks about this concept of grace and that message, you know, version of it. He leads you by grace and directs you by grace. And if he tells you to do something, he gives you the power to do that by grace. Not trying to perform for him and get him to love you. You know, Todd brought a really important point up earlier. We don't give to get saved. But listen to me carefully. Saved people are always going to give. I'm going to try that one more time. Saved people are going to give. Not to be saved, but because they are saved. They're going to give of their time, their treasure, and their time. And there's a serious spiritual formation issue when someone claims to be saved and is never moved to give of their time, their talent, or their treasure. Something's seriously wrong there. It comes in God, rest comes in Jesus. We're led by grace and empowered to do the things we're led to do. Thank God for Jesus. You know what's happened in the church is not that people suddenly lost Jesus. That's not the point. The point is they stopped coming to him. And now you have only one thing to do is just try to find rest some other way. 
A lot of Christians that step out in the things they shouldn't be in, in the areas of compromise and things that destroy and devastate, it's because they stepped out of that place of rest with him. Remember in your heart and your mind the day you gave your life to Christ and how much rest you felt in surrendering your life. Do the same thing every day and you'll have that rest perpetually. Not everything's going to be perfect in your life, but that sense of rest can be perfect in your life every day. Number three, rest comes in faith. Hebrews 4 Verse 1 through 3 and 11, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, for we have all had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did, uh, they did not share the faith with those who obeyed. They did not add to, of course, their, their faith obedience. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, uh, let us make every effort to enter into that rest, so that no one will, per, uh, will perish by following an example of disobedience. It's a kind of a uh, contradiction in terms here, but understand this. There is a labor that we do, and it's not of the flesh. It's a labor to enter into Faith. When you have entered into faith genuinely, there's going to be rest in your life. When you're actually, if you want to know if you're really believing God for something, everybody say, I have an inquiring mind. And you think you're believing God for a miracle or a healing or a deliverance or somebody's salvation. If you're in rest over that situation, then you're actually in faith. If you're still in turmoil, you're not actually in faith because your faith will be manifested by rest in God. We don't labor to get his approval. We labor by being with him and being in his word and being in his presence so that it develops and cultivates a thing called faith in our life. We actually, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, come on, say it, it's still available. It is not Canaan land. And it's also not just heaven one day. There is a rest available now by faith. You that believed can enter into and enjoy that rest. Say it, I'm a believer. believer. Say it with me, I'm a believer. believer. And I have the rest of God. During this season, you're going to have all kinds of things pushing on you. Amen. Make sure you're coming to him. Make sure you're cultivating faith throughout this entire season. Number four, rest comes in separation. There are times you just got to separate from everything around you and give him that time. Mark chapter six, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a quiet or desolate place and find some rest. The Bible says for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. You've got to pull off from time to time if you want to maintain your rest. And when you start feeling the turmoil and the agitation and the anxiety and the trouble bubbling up in your life again, that's a sign you need to withdraw and get with God. Some of you have learned to do this. Many Christians were never taught to do this. And you know, it's not about you and 15 people. It's about you and the Lord. Jesus would not even take his inner core with him to that place where he would seek the Father. There's a reason why he was able to stay so focused, so committed, not tempted and, and defeated by temptation, but he was tempted, of course, as, as we are, but he did so without any air, any sin. How could he possibly do these things? Because he understood this dynamic. There needs to be at times a separation from everybody and everything going on around you. 
And people in the modern church think that's kind of weird. Strange. No, it's the smartest thing you can do. People popping pills, running around on each other, breaking covenant. They don't think that's strange, but getting away with God, that's somehow weird. No, you need to be with him when you start feeling all that turmoil come back up in your life. Satan with me comes in separation. And last today comes in the right path of God, being on his path in your life. Nothing's going to rob you of rest faster than for you to take a wrong turn. You know, if you're on the wrong road, what should you do? You should turn around. What, what does Siri say when you're on the wrong road? At the first opportunity, make a what? Make a U-turn. Uh, some people think if I just keep going, maybe it'll work out. No, it's not going to work out because God never put you on that road in the first place. You'd be amazed how many people looking for this will substitute a human being or a relationship and find themselves afterwards in the same boat they were in before. Make sure you don't do that. Well, you know, I, I'm getting to the age where I need to have a husband or a wife. What you need is the rest of God. You'd be amazed what God will do if you put him first instead of pursuing everything else you think you need. Amen. The rest of God. When you're in the rest of God, you're, you're much better able to discern if that person is good for you anyway. Well, he calls himself a Christian. She calls himself a Christian. And, and uh, he's not gay and he has a job. So check the boxes off. Everything's good. Yeah. And when you get married and his head starts spinning around, spitting out green pea soup, you know, you'll say, what have I done? You did that. Because you should have been in a place of rest instead of trying to meet a spiritual need with something physical or material. I mean, I got pretty long arms, about, about 37 inches. It's hard to find shirts. That's why I walk around like this half the time, <laughs> big and tall. As long as my arms, as I've been a pastor, have been the number of people who came afterwards and said, I wish I would have listened to sound counsel. Can I tell you something? Once you establish the covenant, God expects you to keep it. Are you here today? You and I can stay out of those messes if we'll make sure we're in a place of rest. 99.99% of all bad decisions a Christian makes comes because of a lack of rest in God. How I many know God's never going to lie to you? Raise your hand and say, God is never going to lie to me about his will. Picking up on that, it's critical that you see this. In Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. The rest of God for each of us is found on the path he has ordained for us, and we can never have rest on a road he never called us to go down. Amen. Amen. How many, uh, how many believe that uh, thou shalt not steal? Amen. How many believe thou shalt not bear false witness? Amen. How many believe that you should love God and love your neighbor as yourself? How many believe that? Yeah. Amen. Uh, that's not what's getting most Christians. Most, what's getting most Christians is self-direction in their life. Amen. Let me introduce you to a term. Lord Jesus. 
And Lord Jesus doesn't give options. He gives commands. The rest of God is a wonderful thing, but it's only going to be for people who will say, I'm going to walk God's path. Some of you think, well, I'll just uh, go my way and expect God to bless it. It doesn't work that way. He's in an obligation to bless the path that you have chosen. He'll bless the path that he has chosen, though. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. Awake, thou sleeper. Amen. Say, oh, man, the rest of God. The rest of God. Rest of God. Now we're all going to sing Kumbaya and light a candle. Are you ready? No. Amen. It's found where? It's found in Him. It's found in Jesus. Amen. It is found in faith. It is found in separation. It is found on the path that He's actually assigned and called you to. Aren't you glad that you can know and be on the path that God has called you to? Amen. Say it. I'm on His path. I'm going to stay on His path. Now with your heads bowed for just a moment.